Yo, it's your boy Cooley coming at you live and direct. Well, not necessarily live, but definitely direct. We are the Redbeard Podcast, and we are going to talk about a bunch of stuff. So I hope you're ready to hear about stuff like Ready Player One, The Predator, and your favorite. I don't even know what the fuck it is, but keep listening and you'll find out. Peace. podcast is brought to you by these cool dudes yo welcome back welcome back to the show i know you missed me i know you missed tony i know you missed jim i know you missed ren you can continue to miss ren just like we are because she got into a car accident or some shit um i'm here get better get better ren rest up ren because we need your voice on this podcast it's fun yo you know what i don't miss what the Karate Kid, because you don't have to miss him anymore, because fucking Cobra Kai. Yeah, dude. Cobra Kai's coming back. Yeah. That's the other shit. That's your favorite shit. You Were know, people calling for this? So here's the thing, though, with like Cobra Kai, because like, you know, let's get into this this topic, because this is like, man, I don't know. I, I, uh, I have so many mixed feelings about this. Like When I watched the trailer, the trailer's not a bad trailer by any means. Like The trailer's no, actually not. pretty damn good. It gets me kind of excited for it because I thought when I watched it, it was going to be really bad, yeah. but it's well filmed. Yeah. So I'm kind of excited to check this out. It's going to be on YouTube Red, which the first month of YouTube Red is free, and then it's $12.99 a month. The only thing I don't know about this- I'm just this, waiting for this shit to be out, and then I'm just going to fucking get YouTube Red for a month and then quit. Well, see, that's what I don't know, though. I was talking to Jim about this earlier. I don't know if they're actually doing this as like an hour- or two hour movie, or if it's going to be like a series. Like no, it's a, it looks like a series. I think it a is a series. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to wait for all of the episodes to be available. And then I'm going to get YouTube bread for a month and I'm going to watch it. And then I'm going to cancel because I refuse to pay for some shit that has been free for the, my entire life until they started trying to make us pay for the fucking ads. So this isn't going to be like Netflix where they drop the entire season at once and you can just binge watch it. This is going to be like regular TV where you, Watch it episode to episode. Yeah, no, I think it's like once a week. I don't know, though, because from... I mean, Netflix does do that, though. I mean, they drop, like, the entire series, and you can kind of watch it. They might do the same thing with YouTube Red. Right, but this isn't Netflix, and YouTube is notorious for wanting to drag shit out like that, like, and make people keep coming back. Like, so so even, even YouTube, uh, you know, YouTubers, I should say, uh, like us, mm-hmm. drop their content individually and over time even if they have it ready to go uh just to get people to you know adhere to a a viewing schedule no i mean that's a fair point i i mean who knows youtube red is a fairly new thing um i I will say though from watching the trailer the only thing that that um that is and if any concern to me and i think it's think it's been a concern since the inception of the movie is that like it's not realistic that daniel larusso would ever win (laughs) in like a karate competition and daniel larusso Still looks like a little bit older Daniel LaRusso. He's one of those actors that doesn't really age too badly. But he just doesn't look like he would be a fair match for 
you know, Johnny, who right. is, is played by William Zabka, who is a super nice guy who we met at Comic-Con. Um, super nice. Took the time to talk to us. There's an interview on, on our uh, Rhode Island Comic-Con podcast. Check it out. Um, but we did get to meet, or I got to meet Daniel LaRusso as well, or um, Ralph Macchio. Super nice guy. But when you look at the two characters in this trailer, it just, who knows how it's going to end? I just don't think right. it's a fair fight as to the shape that they're in now in their current lives 34 La Ru- years later. LaRusso looks like he's going to be a misguided dickhead in this. He looks like he's going to be like the bad guy Which that's going to try and shut down around. Cobra Kai. Yeah. But now Cobra Kai has turned over a new leaf well, and they a... help kids that need it. Well, no, there's there's a there's a YouTube video out there and I encourage you to look it up and, and, uh, and watch it that actually posits that Daniel was always the bad guy. I've actually already watched that video. And it's, been, it's very interesting. It is interesting, but they also mess around with the footage a lot to kind of like, they, I mean, I feel like if you, wa- if you watch the movie just as like a movie, um, you know, never having seen it before, he is being bullied the entire movie, you know, but the YouTube really does kind of like it, it goes deep and deep and deep. And you're like, look at this scene, look at this scene, I guess. Well, I mean, realistically, I mean, he did stick his nose in the shit before it all started by like, you know, deciding that he was going to approach um, Johnny's girl, Elizabeth Shue, whatever the fuck her name was in the movie. Yeah, but they, but that was something that wasn't necessarily, it, it wasn't approached. It was kind of like, he didn't like go out of his way to kind of talk to her. Like she kind of like came up to him on numerous occasions. And then like, no, they, she brought his ball back to him. Yeah. But he was also, whatever. but he was also like, Johnny was a complete dick. He's like, he's obviously the villain in the karate kid. Like they make him out to me. I mean, he's got like the skeleton like costume on. He like goes way overboard. Like they all kick his ass. They all like he's smoking weed in the friggin' stalls. Like they make right, him all out to be like the villain. But all movie. I'm saying is that if I'm if I'm Daniel Larusso, yeah, I am not like engaging with this dude. Like Johnny wasn't Johnny wasn't really fucking with Daniel until Daniel. Like Johnny was like a B. Yeah, you know he didn't sting Daniel until he like Daniel started like trying to like swat around and like fuck the B up, and then the B fucked him up. You know what I mean? Like that's. That's what I got out of that movie. Like I, I get that, and, and and it unrealistically set me up to believe, like, hey, I can overcome bullies. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I've watched the movie like numerous times. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I never really saw it like that until the YouTube video came out, and it actually kind of like it makes you look at things differently. But watching it for the first time, like, I'm I don't not think saying he's right. I'm just saying that first impression. It's a very interesting take. I'll give yeah, you that. Yeah. I'm not saying he's right. I'm just saying that there are possibilities. Yeah, there totally are. I mean, I, I have a, I have a, um, a theory about this whole thing is that they, in the trailer, they make it seem like Daniel LaRusso is going to come back and be like, Cobra Cry is not going to be a thing on my watch. Cause I thought that they got rid of this 30 years ago. Well, honestly, I think that Johnny and, Daniel might actually come to some kind of an understanding and maybe open up a kind of like a dojo together, you know, where they kind of combine their styles. I think that would be kind of cool because I feel like they're getting too old for this. Like, what are you going to do? Like keep fighting your whole lives. I think that would be kind of a cool resolution to be honest with you. You know, like they still kind of have like that rivalry that's been going down for 34 years, Mm. but now I think might not be a good time to kind of like reconcile their differences and actually work together to actually do something good for the community. I actually would be happy with that outcome as cheesy as some people might find it at this point. It's kind of like, 
get over the grudge. You know what I mean? Like you guys, you know, the competition was 34 years ago. But Let's then you move don't have on. a show. No, I'm saying at the end of the show, that could be the end result. Oh, and yeah, I would yeah, be yeah. cool with that. I totally would be cool with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I feel like in, I because feel, then that puts an end to like anything else coming after it. Huh. Not even not just to put an end to it. I think it just it, it kind of does not not to prevent anything to come after it, but just to put a nice button on things. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, all right, cool. That ties everything up nicely. Right. You know, like sometimes you have like those open ended things. It's like, eh, well, you. sometimes I don't want to actually think about what might have been. I want you guys to just kind of like. Put a little nice bow on it and seal it for me, you, <laughs> so I don't have love, to do anything. You love bows, man. No, I don't because yeah, you I love people nope, tying shit up. That's and being completely like, yeah. false because I was in a show, uh, which you saw called Higher Methods, and the entire you show was a Cal- mind fuck. And literally, it was like you literally go to the show and you you figure it out like after, like there's no definite answers. And I think that we as a society are actually we have our hands held. As to like, this is how it ends perfectly. So you guys are comfortable mm. and you don't have to think for yourselves. Because when people have to think for themselves and they don't end the endings, they get anxiety attacks. I actually don't mind that. I like to kind of have those open-ended things. But for this specifically, I would like to have a little bow on it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just me. Just for this specifically, <laughs> but we'll see. And I Walking pre- Dead. And, and Walking Dead. <laughs> For now, because every every season I hear about how there was no bow, and we're gonna and we're gonna talk about that episode. Actually, that's the thing we're gonna talk about. That's the other favorite thing you got that we didn't know what the fuck it was. I agree, and the fact that they make it seem like Larusso could be the bad guy in the trailer of this new Cobra Kai TV show, and to me, it's kind of like who gives a shit? Thirty years ago was high school. In all honesty. Unless you were a super nerd and you got bullied, you should not care about what happened in high school. That was a bunch of kids that didn't know about life and then they grew up and they either became pieces of shit or they grew up regretting what they did to nerds and the nerds grew up to be owning Apple. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's so pretty I, true so yeah, in this true. so in this trailer you see LaRusso <laughs> be like oh I just walked went by this strip mall and saw Cobra Kai when is he ever going to learn and it's kind of like what are you maybe he's trying to turn things around like why are you still holding the grudge so long that you are now a success and you own a car dealership and William Zabka's character is like David Hasselhoff drunk on the floor <laughs> and you don't want him to succeed at anything. But I don't think it's I don't think it's the fact that he doesn't want him to succeed. I think it's about opening opening up a a, a karate studio in Cobra Kai. It, it's what Cobra Kai represents. It it was run by a guy who was about no mercy and at all win at all costs. It doesn't matter who you have to hurt to win and I think that the message behind Cobra Kai was not a positive way to fight. And I think that's what his karate is is against completely. It's about only fight if you need to, walk away if possible. You know, it, but the other guy was coming in from a military, you know, mm-hmm. perspective. But I mean, William Zabka, it seems to me like he wants to turn around the image of Cobra Kai. Look at Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was raping women and biting the ears off of heavyweight champions. And then they came out with the hangover. And all of a sudden, hey, he's a cool guy. I want to be his friend. And that's what they're no, doing move, with 
this show looks like it's going to be the opposite of that movie Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds. You know, like where he goes back and um, <laughs> like he actually sees the the jock. Right. And he's all like washed up. Yeah. And yeah. he's like fat and he's got, he's balding. Um, can I borrow $5? Yeah. <laughs> you want to borrow is, it? No, can I just have it? <laughs> this is from his perspective instead of Ryan Reynolds' perspective. Yeah. They flip it on its head. That's actually yeah. a good, a good uh, parallel. Yeah. That's yeah. A good like point. it may not be as funny because that movie was hilarious to me. I love that movie. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm interested in seeing this movie because it, because of that. Mm-hmm. That, no. that flipping it on its ear perspective and giving it from the role of the quote unquote villain, you know, and, and, and seeing that like there, there's really not a lot like that out there where you get to see it from the opposite perspective. Right. And you know what though? I mean, I, I, I will give props to, um, you know, them for doing a really good job and YouTube for actually promoting the shit out of this because they've released like five different trailers and then there's like short clips that they keep putting out because they're really like promoting the hell out of this. So mm-hmm. I can't see this actually not doing well. Uh, even if you actually are not a fan of the Karate Kid, I feel like at some point you're going to end up watching it just because it's in your face on YouTube. Like right. you can't go on YouTube without seeing a preview for it. Is there a reboot that hasn't done well? Well, not for the Karate Kid. But I mean, there's so th- this is such a time in which so many TV shows have come back with X-Files and Roseanne. And it looks like Dawson's Creek is coming back. Right, but those are but with right. I mean, those are were TV shows that were were big in their time. But I feel like Karate Kid is such an iconic movie. It was one of the first like karate movies. You know what I mean? That that to ever really come to like the theaters and actually have that big of an impact. Agreed. I mean, I will say well, I mean, that everything that I just mentioned, I think, and it's was in iconic. Itself was iconic. Yeah, especially especially Roseanne. I mean, Roseanne changed the face of of sitcoms. Um, completely, uh, or the family sitcom, I should say, not all sitcoms, but uh, completely by giving people like a realistic view of what a a fam a, a, a middle to lower class family looks like, uh, and and how they you know interact with each other in, in society. I mean, so many shows have taken cues from that show in particular that to come for that to come back and actually be successful. Um, I see what you're saying. And, and I think that's the same thing that's going to happen with this is, I mean, like you have that by taking it and doing something a little bit different. I mean, it's got to, it's going to be successful. I mean, people are going to watch this shit and the only way that it fails is because it's on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's it. I yeah. completely agree. I mean, if, if for some reason people don't want to buy like, you know, YouTube red or it's not something that they drop all at once, then people might, they might see like, a, uh, they won't, get the numbers they expected. But once the entire series is released, they're probably going to see a big jump in that. Cause everybody's going to actually just watch it in like a day. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think it's going to be, it's going to be super fun to watch. I've already, you know, talked to a, a buddy of mine who wants to get together, you know, the first day or, or two days after it comes out and, and uh, watch it and watch it. it comes out on a Wednesday, which is really weird where, um, I'd probably watch it like two days later on like a Friday night or something. But, um, with that being said, um, talking about other things that came out, uh, last episode we talked about Ready Player One. Um, we did not get a chance to uh, hear Jim's thoughts on Ready Player One, but Jim is here, uh, and he did see Ready Player One and loved it. So, Jim, I would love to know uh, your thoughts on that. <laughs> and this is this is coming from somebody. Such a great intro. Why was that funny? <laughs> he was like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel, I feel like it sometimes. I really have a great fake laugh. 
<laughs> it's one of those things that I've perfected over decades. Nice. But it's I've, great. <laughs> I've read the book, which I'm sure you've talked about this last episode. Yeah. It does not follow at all. Not at all. No, not at not all. Not at all. There's a couple of things here and there where like, well, yeah, we'll keep this. But for the most part, it's its own entity. And I have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was nice to not rehash everything that I read. Not yeah, exactly. That, but I think some stuff in the book wasn't going to translate well mm-hmm. to the screen. Right. I think there was a lot of um, keys, like getting the copper key by playing, you know, the joust, li- the Lich King in Joust from Dungeons and Dragons. I don't think that was going to translate well for today's pop culture. That shit would have been so funny though. I would have loved that. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I we'll see cool. what's we'll see what happens because it sounds like there's going to be a Ready Player Two. In the I mean, works. I mean, Not how different? How book, different would that be from the dude movie. playing adventure? You know what I mean? They could have done like I a montage. That, yeah, I think that was know? an homage to it at the very end when yeah. they were playing adventure. But as a spectacle, the movie Ready Player One was so much fun. Mm-hmm. The first twenty minutes was just pure eye candy. That, that race was race awesome. Where the Jurassic Park Rexy comes out and then King Kong was just glued to your even my girlfriend like turned to me and was like, This is fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and she came just because I was giddy like a freaking schoolboy going to see this movie. Cause it was and I will say this, it's pure pop nostalgia. Yeah, that's yeah, it's great. It's, it's one of those things where it's fun. It's all about an Easter egg. And once it comes out on Blu-ray, oh, man, go on YouTube and watch the Easter egg hump begin because someone is going to take a week out of work to just find every pop culture reference. Mm-hmm. There's also a, a theory out there on YouTube that um, if you watch Ready Player One when it comes out, there's going to be like Easter eggs that actually lead to some like grand prize. Like a lot of people... When the trailers dropped, they were literally like, like splicing like the screen and looking for things in like binary. Like people were like nerding out, being like, "The trailer has like a hidden thing that's gonna lead well, to a prize." Yeah, it did, <laughs> even it's though not enough for the trailer. I'm sorry to. to yeah, no, I mean that's that's it. But in the in the trailer, there's a couple of points where if you pause it, there are UPC. There there are like symbols that you can scan with your phone. Yeah, that's a thing. Yep. That will take you yeah. to readyplayer1.com and, and all sorts of stuff. And so they're already, the idea of this movie, they know that people are going to pause this and dissect Oh, I cannot second. wait for it to be released. Wait. Yeah, I'm just going to watch this thing from beginning to end in slow motion. Uh, like, even if it takes three days to do it and figure out exactly every single Easter egg that I can find. I'm not going to watch anything. I'm not going to watch YouTubes. I'm not going to, you know, look online and like see what other people are saying. Like I want to find them all for myself just because that's most of the fun right there. I can't wait. I Mm. really can't. Now I will, I'm going to take the like 10 seconds to say, are there some negatives about it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I think that maybe some of the character development wasn't stellar. And maybe there was a little bit of lag between the Shining reference, which was outstanding. Yeah, it was awesome. And so the, damn good. And the final fight, which best line of the whole movie. Oh, my God, it's fucking Chucky. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that last yeah. time. 
I, it, do, it doesn't matter. These are small things in a blockbuster movie that was nothing but fun. Straight from the beginning to the end. It kept me in the seats. It kept me from messing around on my phone. Right. It was just me wrapped in a movie that was wrapped in nostalgia. And I understand to some respect, and this brings it back to Cobra Kai and Roseanne and X-Files and all of this Which stuff. Which I was really disappointed back. that Roseanne was not in this movie. Well, you don't know. I mean... She could be. Again, wait until Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> Deleted scenes, man. <laughs> I will also say that Steven Spielberg came out and spoke that every avatar that's in the Oasis in this movie is from pop culture. It's from a movie, a video game, a book, something. It's everything is a reference to something. That's so, a lot which, of work, man. Oh my that's, God, I appreciate that so much. Nerds have heart attacks across the globe. So I think I have something because you didn't mention it and I didn't mention it last week and I mentioned it to Tony at work and he was just like, oh no, man, because Tony doesn't agree with me on many things, which is why we do this. But totally right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there were scenes in the movie that were actually recreated from scenes in other iconic films, which was also like a different kind of Easter egg. Like it wasn't something that you're going to visually see and be like, oh, there's Freddy. But you you look at it and it just reminds you of something else. Okay, so before you go on, is this an opinion or is this something that you read? I don't give a fuck what well, I no, read. It, no, this, but is my, this is not an opinion. I, this is fact and I'm telling you it's fact. But you're this telling is from it, me. But the, you're telling it's fact because that's what you got from watching it. Right. That but doesn't make it... No, it is like when you look at it, when you watch it, you will see it. You, I remember the scene vividly, and I know the scene you're talking about, and I don't see it. All right. Jim. Yeah. Look at these scenes here. First scene, we're on the Death Star. Star Wars, A New Hope. Obi-Wan is, like, you know, going looking for Vader. Sure. Um, and he is, like, kind of, like, on this column or whatever. And he's like walking around the column, but he's like kind of ducking out and like yeah, making sure that the stormtroopers don't see him. Exactly. Uh, same thing when Artemis is kind of walking around that column, ducking and not trying to get caught by the IOI troopers. It's when she's possible. trying to shut down the 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 thing with like yeah the, the shield. Yeah, thank you. Which wow. which also uh, Obi Wan I believe was trying to shut down something because like, he pulled a couple of switches on that same yes. thing. Yes. Nope. Exactly. So so there's one scene right. Which, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take that away from you. I think that's highly possible. Okay, scene two. They're in the office of. Uh, they're in Sorrento's office, mm -hmm. right? Uh, they're they're still in the Oasis. They kind of hijack uh, Sorrento as he's trying to come out. Yep. Make him believe he's still in the Oasis, and they have him at gunpoint, right, with these guns, with yep. these long ass silencers and whatnot. But same scene is that scene in Pulp Fiction. With uh, Sam Jackson and uh, John Travolta. Iconic scene. You know, there's a lot of people that believe that that scene is actually an homage to Inception as well. And I've never seen Inception, so that's also possible. I mean, if there's dream if inside, that scene dream was... Dream inside of a dream? Oh, right, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, like, that part of it, absolutely, it could have been. Um, the... Uh, the last one that I saw in the theater before thinking about it and finding others and whatnot uh, was in the last in one of the last scenes when uh, Halliday 
is in his old room with his younger self mm-hmm. and he gets up and he starts walking away. The way that they shot that scene, starting at the feet and as he's walking away, it pans up and then he turns over his shoulder and looks back before he exits the room. It's, it's the exact same way that the ending of Big was shot when Tom Hanks is walking away and starts becoming smaller. I mean, obviously he's not an adult becoming a little kid again, but we are dealing with an old man and his younger self in the same scene. But see, that's the thing that I don't understand though. It's like, you can say that, but if you want to compare big to that, or that's supposed to be a reference, like at the end of the movie where big is shot, she sees him walking away. And then all of a sudden he turns around and he's like this small kid in like a big suit that doesn't fit right on him. Right. But in this movie, yeah, maybe the shot is very similar, but like they're both in the same scene together. So it doesn't necessarily like reference big. I mean, I think, I feel like, listen, listen, I mean, that scene for you may make you think of big, but I don't know if it's specifically a direct reference to big. It could be, it very well could be. But for me, when I watch that scene, I love big and I love that ending scene because it's so perfectly done. I didn't get that at all. And I think it's because they're both in the scene. Like, you know what I mean? Like if it was, if, if the end of big, I mean, you would never see them two together because right. you know, obviously, but I mean, I think it's because they're both in the scene. Maybe that's why I don't see that. Right. But like, for you, that might've been a, a cool reference. You but know? like, think, but think of it like the star Wars thing and the, the other thing, like you're talking about, um, like there, there are mega differences in those scenes from the scenes that they were mimicking, but they were still shot the same way. The same, they had the same camera angles and the same way that it actually approached the scene is what I'm trying to say. And that, that's how you get that nostalgic feeling and it brings back those memories. It makes you recognize something and you don't know what it is or where to, like, you know, you can't put your finger on it, but you're like, wow, that, that's reminiscent of something. And for me, I was able, like, it took me until the second time I watched it. Well, see, it. that's what I was just going to say. Maybe these are things that I would have picked up, you know, if I watched it a second round. You've right. seen it twice. I've seen it once. Yeah. So if I was to go back and watch it again, these are things I might see. But on the first round, I didn't catch some of these things. But this isn't a movie that's meant to be watched once. Right. You know what I'm saying? You, you mentioned one earlier about uh, the, the Iron Giant. Oh, yeah. Well, I think I think probably a lot of people caught this. Is The Iron Giant, when it... Uh, when it loses and it falls into the lava, it holds up its middle finger or not middle finger. It holds up its thumb. And that's an obvious reference dun, dun, to T2 dun, dun, when, dun, dun, dun. when the T1000 is going into the, yeah. the lava. Right. And that's so, so that's another example of something that, you know, I didn't recognize that as T2 until you guys oh, direct reference. Yeah. Oh, I knew it right away. And when he was going up. down in the lava, I'm like, where's the thumb? Where's the thumb? And the thumb came up and I literally went, but then when you said it, yeah, automatically I was like, oh yeah, yeah, right. So like that—that's what I'm saying is like you have these these callouts to these movies that he maybe not necessarily included, like as a as a visual avatar, right? Like these might be things that he didn't have the rights to do or or whatever. Like Star Wars, I'm pretty sure he didn't have the rights to any of the Star Wars stuff. He did have rights to some stuff. He did. He did. And there's and there's stuff that you can see. There's like um there's one scene where they're all going to the distracted globe planet where mm-hmm. they're all going to dance to Saturday right. Night Fever. And um, you see a whole line of spaceships and you can see a Star Wars spaceship in there. Again, right. Parcival on his, his belt 
is a direct Han Solo belt copy with the exception. Even though he's got the Thundercats It's got a Thundercats logo, yeah. logo on it, yes. Yeah. Right, but, but then don't... the rest of the belt is directly Han Solo. Right, but you don't need licensing to have Han they Solo's did get, belt. They did get licensing. They yep, got it? I, I looked it up. But you don't you don't need it, though, I don't think. I don't think you would need licensing to well, have like, would, though, something that looked like... I think you would, though, but it's a Disney property. But to have something that looked like Han Solo's belt where it wasn't directly Han Solo, it's not enough for somebody to come after you and sue you, they I'm did, telling you. They did get licensing. I yeah. think he was they going did. the extra ante on this. Yeah, like you know he probably mean? got the licensing just to like just cover just your ass things. or whatever. Like, but or Or just to give... Just to give people credit for the shit that, that he put in there. When Parsifal wins the Copper Key, Anarak, Anarak calls Parsifal Padawan, yeah. which is obviously directly from Star, Star Wars. Oh, right, right, which is just a word, though. No, I know. Right? Like, but and that's what I'm saying. Like, there's, But I'm just saying. There's some things you can just use in free reign. You don't need right. licensing for everything. But, but there is. But they did, he did receive licensing. Steven Spielberg said that he didn't want to go over the top with Star Wars stuff. And the references are small. They're going to be Blu-ray stop and pause. Hey, look at that moment. Right. Yeah. Like there was a... Uh, there was a scene, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, do you know anything about The Greatest American Hero? I mean, I've talked about this show, and I think the last time nobody knew what I was talking about. Am I right? I know of the TV show. I've never watched it. I've seen clips. I know that Artemis has a sticker of it on her bike. Yeah, and he had a, st- he had a sticker of it on his, uh, mm-hmm. on his visor. At the end. We also talked nice. about like you and I definitely saw all like the Mortal Kombat references, which there I thought were great in this movie and oh, like there very abundant. So many, which is which is awesome. I think that's such an iconic game that I love the fact that they included that. Um, I mean, I think the one thing that I have had time to kind of digest. It's been you know almost a, a legit week since I've seen the movie. Um, is you know I I just feel like the one thing that. They could have done a little bit better with this movie was was the pacing of it. Um, And I don't know, but I don't know if they could have actually improved the pacing with one movie. I feel like it it could have been spread out a little bit more into they would have had to make it into um, make the movie a little bit longer or at least like a sequel. And the reason why I say that is because I do feel like they rushed the relationship between. Um, Artemis and Parzival very quickly. I also feel like there really wasn't a lot of time for us to uh, really feel the 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 distance that, or, or excuse me, the the um, the passage of time between each gate. Because there were moments where like months went by, hmm. you know, where like nobody had actually like gotten anywhere, and then all of a sudden like you know Artemis pops up on the board, and I and I would have liked to seen a little bit more of that. I would have liked to see like maybe he you know has the time to process the fact that like you know his aunt just like went down in a tragic death, and like we didn't get to see any of that. So I feel like the movie moved very fast. And the, the game that, you know, was everybody has been waiting seven years to actually figure out, they just seem to kind of figure out in like a week once they passed the first gate. And I feel like that was a little unrealistic compared to the book. But, you know, it, it, I'm comparing it to something that, you know, with, with, with so much stuff. You know, where I think if I had seen this movie without actually reading the book, I might have a different perspective. No, you're right. right. Because in the book, everything kind of happens in real time. It takes months between the copper key and then the jade key ends up being found. Right. 
And I don't think they did a good job of explaining that in the in the movie. I don't even know, to be honest, that they intended for it to be a lot of time. Because in my head, it kind of feels like Parcival won the copper key, and then bang, everything happened really fast. Yeah. I it still doesn't take away from from the fun of this movie. No, the right. movie's but, super fun. But yeah, but yeah, but it's it's one of those kinks that if you really want to sit down and you want to dissect the movie, yeah, it's not a perfect movie, but God, it's is it so, so fun. much fun? Yeah, and watch the movie and, first. And the rewatchability is above and beyond. I will want to say this. This is random. This has nothing to do with pop culture. I watched this movie at the very end. I saw this because it's me. At the very, very end... Uh, Ty Sheridan and um, uh, Artemis, I can't remember her name. They're walking away. They're already out of the van uh, and they're walking away. And there's a group of people that are all cheering them on. And there's cops that are holding them back. It's like the final, it's one of the final scenes before it cuts to Artemis and Parzival in their, like, I don't know, their apartment, like making out and, you know, end credits. They're walking away and there is this Asian woman that's like, woo, yeah, like screaming. And I, the girl that's next to her is supposed to be a friend and they're holding like an, uh, a Parsifal uh, a banner, something like that. And there is a cop that's holding her back and flat out is holding her boob. And at first you're like, ha, 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 that's awkward. But then it lasts for six to seven seconds <laughs> while they're walking and the whole time his hand is on her breast. All right. I guarantee you when you watch that again, you're going to see it. I hope that there's people listening to this podcast right now that goes and sees that movie and looks for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to see it you again. Will, so. You will not miss it. Well, dude, we're going to check it out again next week, and I, I will, will wait I for will that. more than happily <laughs> point it out for you. I could not believe it. I saw it, and I was like, oh, man, he's not looking where he's holding his hands. And then it lasted. And I was like, now I feel like he's doing this on purpose. Yeah. And you wonder if that was more than one take. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Good for hmm. him. Good thing to look for. Yeah, hmm. huh? So with that being said, I mean, do you have any other closing thoughts on Ready Player One? I, I will say this. There's a lot of people out there that kind of have a negative um, belief towards all of this pop nostalgia coming back and finding its way into TV and movies. Cut, fucking cut that out. What are you? <laughs> I, know, I know that people can't see what's happening, but you're playing this weird little duck game with your microphone, <laughs> and it is screwing me up. <laughs> there's, like a lot of, there's a lot of people that feel that we are running out of ideas for entertainment yeah. by bringing back old, nostalgic TV shows and characters and putting them in new scenarios. And personally for me, I love it. I think that we are a generation that really holds on to pop nostalgia, that loves it, and that wants to see what happens next. We are a reality TV generation, and we always want to see what comes after. Mm -hmm. And I like the fact that we're bringing some of these old TV shows back and giving you a glimpse into more of their lives. Right. Sometimes it's not enough to watch 
four or five years of a TV show. And then that's all you ever get to see of that character. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I want to know what happens next. Yeah, briefly. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And briefly, I just like because you said that, like, I mean, like, that's why, like, so Roseanne was just relaunched. Sure. That's why I'm like excited and happy. Like, and I watched this and it's like really cool because they didn't just like reboot it. They picked up 20 years later. You know, but now we get to see the kids of the the first show be adults, have kids of their own. We get to see like, you know, what's going on with them. Uh, it's just it's just really cool. Like you said, like now it's like it's like a portal into, hey, what happened with these people? And and I, I love that concept, like picking up where you left off or, or picking up 20 years later anyway. Like, you know, what I mean, like there's time in between, but we get to fill in those blanks by just seeing what's going on now. Totally. I will say the only thing that I didn't like uh, and I don't really want to go down a rabbit hole on this. It's just something to kind of call out. And, and, and my wife agrees with me on this. You know, I feel like when you when you would watch a show like Roseanne, even though it was very relatable, there was a disconnect between the TV show and reality, right? And I feel like it's actually becoming blurred now where, you know, you watch Roseanne and it was too many political references, you know? And, like, it's great, but, like, when I watch a show like Roseanne, I don't want, I don't want to, I want there to be that disconnect. Like, Roseanne is actually a fake family. Yes, they're very relatable, but I don't think that there should be any uh, Trump references, any of that but shit. I, but did you watch the show before? Were you, were you, did you watch the show years ago? Yeah, I did. I wasn't a big... I watched the show. I wasn't a huge fan of it, but, but putting that aside... But they aside, had that. But putting that aside, though, it, it was, I feel like it was too much. I just feel like, with, I feel like now any opportunity to, to bring politics to the forefront and make a statement is... It's like... It's almost like I just feel like it's being jammed down our throats, and I wish I would I could watch a show and step out of reality for a little bit. Like I want to step into Roseanne, and that's all I want to think about. I don't want to be constantly reminded of reality. Like people watch TV because it's an escape, right. and you know. That's, and that's fine, and that's and that's my only that's my only qualm with it. Other than that, like it wasn't actually that bad. I I think uh, I I really enjoyed it, but I just. You know, I, I would have uh, liked to see a little bit. Roseanne is the wrong bit. show. If you, if you want to escape reality, Roseanne is the wrong show for you. Because Roseanne has always been about being in reality and grounded in what's going on I in politics and I, all that stuff in the old show and everything. Never felt that way when I watched the old show. Like I said, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the old show, but I never felt that way when I did watch it. And when I watched it now, that's all I felt. Hmm. It's, it's a personal opinion. Right. I mean, but I just wish that sometimes we could keep politics out of things for a little bit and... And not necessarily reference everything that's going on in the world and make a statement. Let's just like watch the show and have some fun with it. That's all. I mean, but that's that's my that's personal opinion. So. Well, right. on a whole, I think I I enjoy some of the nostalgic aspects of bringing back some old TV totally, shows. Totally, man. I agree. And with you. getting a glimpse into where they are now in their right, lives. Right. Word. Well, uh, with that being said, we're gonna take a little bit of break and uh, hear from our sponsor. Yo, Cooley, what's going on, man? What up? Yo, man, when it comes to investing, like, are you good with stocks? Do you get the stuff? Eh, I mean, like, you know, I, I dabble here and there, you know, and, yeah. you know, I, I do all right. All right, man. Yeah, like, I invest too, but I, I'm always kind of, like, questioning if I'm investing the right way. But, um, I mean, I'm not, like, a master at it. 
But I've been finding out that, you know, a good place to go if you want to learn how to invest your money the right way would be supplyanddemandinvesting.com. True. Stop following around the modern portfolio theory investment crowd and try an alternative means of investing your hard-earned money at http colon forward slash forward slash supplyanddemandinvesting.com. And for a limited time, submit any five stocks, mutual funds, or exchange-traded funds and receive a free SDI analysis on each. Simply go to http colon forward slash forward slash supplyanddemandinvesting.com slash redbeard. That's us. And fill out the form along with your selections and you'll receive a free SDI analysis within 48 to 72 hours. Go to http colon forward slash forward slash supplyanddemandinvesting.com forward slash redbeard for your free analysis today. And thanks to http colon forward slash forward slash supplyanddemandinvesting.com for their continued support of the Redbeard podcast. Yo, what's up? We're back. So, guys, uh, we are going to do a little bit of Walking Dead talk. If you follow the show very closely, then you obviously know what happened last episode. Uh, but there was something that happened two episodes ago. Jim actually hasn't seen the last episode of The Walking Dead, so we're going to stray away from that to avoid spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, don't worry about it. But if you haven't watched the last two episodes, turn this shit off and then pick it up in about maybe five minutes. I apologize, but, uh, everybody. I'm holding Cooley and Tony back. No, it's all good, man. So so let's, uh, let's talk about the end of uh, two episodes ago because it was something that I found a little questionable. <laughs> but I mean, so... Rick and Negan get into this big fight, you know, where they're in this like enclosed area where like things are catching on fire and mm -hmm. like, you know, Lucille's on fire and they're basically going after each other. Negan gets his bat back and then um, Rick finds a way out of like this window. But uh, Negan had actually escaped maybe about four and a half, five seconds earlier. And he gets out of the window. Rick fights off a couple of walkers, comes out the same window and Negan's gone. At the end of the episode, we find um, what's the girl's name that picked him up? Uh, Jadis. Jadis uh, actually had has him has Negan in her truck with a gun to his head, and you know he wakes up, realizes that you know he's in her truck, and she knocks him out again with the gun. So my only qualm with this is that, and and Cooley and I got into a little text debate on this, is that you know, and obviously Jim feel free to jump in on this, please. Cause I know you saw the episode is like, I just feel that very unrealistic. Like he, they jump out a window. He's four seconds late. And all of a sudden we're supposed to believe that Negan was somehow, uh, knocked out by Jadis. And all of a sudden she picked up this guy who's, I'd say at least 180, 200 pounds, puts him into her truck and dashes off all in five seconds before Rick can even see what happened. That seems a little unrealistic to me, and I feel like it was just the show's way of kind of like dragging things out. I know that there has to be a defining moment where Rick and Negan have this like showdown where like Negan's probably going to get wounded in some way by Rick, um, and I'm waiting for that, and I thought this might have been that moment, but it was just kind of like... No, you that know, moment's not going to come until it's in front of everybody. You know, and I and I know that, and I and I know that's the case. But you know, and but I think it's I think maybe this is just the case of The Walking Dead doing their job. It's like they put them in these situations where it's like you just see like Rick and Negan are totally going at it, and you want this guy to get his ass kicked, and he escapes again, and then 
If he had escaped a little bit more realistically, in my opinion, I could have bought it. But that for me was just kind of like a sellout. I was like, really? He well, just first of all, he didn't escape. He was fucking like snatched. But, but that's my point. But like, I mean, How? Who's, who's to say he didn't jump out that window and take off running? Right. And then he's like somewhere down the road, like a couple of minutes down the road where he's out of Rick's eyesight when he gets out of that window. Right. Rick. Rick is not in a vacuum like they there is like area around them. So, I mean, it does, like I know there are people in the NFL that can run a four three forty. Right. You run 40 yards in four point three seconds. Right. Four point three seconds. Five seconds is a lot of time. I don't think I think it was actually more than five seconds that that he was gone out the window before Rick got to it. So you're talking probably and I'll be honest, I think it was literally this amount of time. I think it was like 15 seconds. If we go back and we time it, I don't know. But I mean, that's that's kind of how my how it's playing out in my head, because he bolted out the window. Rick had a few zombies to take care of before he actually made it out. And when he finally got out, he looks around and he's gone. Right. So you've got 15 seconds to bolt, run, get the hell out of Dodge. And then down the road, that's where Jadis picks him up. To me, that's not that unrealistic. But even if it is, we're talking about the fucking Walking Dead. There's zombies, bro. Like there's, it's the post-apocalypse. You have all kinds of unrealistic shit happening. So like for that to be the the line that's drawn in the sand, to me, that's it's kind of it's minute. It's a minute detail. Yeah, I mean, detail. it could be, but it's one of those things that just kind of drives me nuts. It's like, oh come on, what the <laughs> fuck? Are you kidding me? He's gone, really. You know, like, give me a break. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of suspension of disbelief in this TV show. Mm -hmm. In all honesty. Perfect choice of words, actually. You know, me and you, we come from a theater background. I remember when I was going to college, I knew plenty of people that were doing music and that were doing art and art in particular. There are people that lug around these giant effing sculptures that go to the dump. Yeah. And they pick up. These 50, 60 pound, what the F are they doing objects? Right. And I understand Negan is significantly more weight than 60 pounds. But if you can pick something up to and push it into a car, you don't need to lift the whole thing up. You just need to guide it in, pick up the feet once it's slouched on the 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 chair of the passenger seat car and just push in the, the legs and off you go. Yeah. I mean, I, dude, that's definitely a really good call out because I, I mean, when you think about like lifting up like 50, 60 pound sculptures, I mean, that's actually a really good uh, comparison. I mean, I didn't really think of that. Um, I mean, no, that actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, I guess I could see that. And coolly, I see your point about, you know, her being like, or Negan being like off, like down the road somewhere where this happened. I mean, like I did think about that, but the way that they make it seem is like, Oh, he comes out five seconds later and it, Oh, it's fucking David Copperfield. He's gone. It's like, come on, man. Also, like, also like, have you seen JDM? I mean, he doesn't look like a very like hefty dude either. No, I don't know. Like she could <laughs> so, probably sling him over her shoulder and just throw him in the trunk. Like, I mean, that's not, I don't think he looks that, and he clearly heavy. and he clearly <laughs> has a back problem. Yeah. Where he's always like hanging to the side because the seal weighs like 150 pounds. I'll also say this. From a guy that loves to wear leather jackets, man, does it really add an extra 20 pounds to your bulk? Like it really makes you much bigger than you actually are. You're swimming in a leather jacket. 
So I have a feeling that you never get to see Negan outside of his cool misfits outfit. Well, no, they but, did that. He was in Alexandria once with just a t-shirt on, like holding Rick's kid, you know? So it's like, you, you realize like Negan isn't really like a jacked guy where in the comics, he's kind of a heavier guy and has some oh, muscle on him. No. Yeah. He's, he's like, he's very stocky. He's very like wide, um, yeah. like broad shouldered, uh, like any shorter, like he's definitely shorter than he's like about maybe he looks like he's probably five five, uh, yeah. in the comic. But he's like he's like a freaking uh, Maurice Jones Drew, yeah. Uh, like build, you know, like he's like, Ugh. yeah. So Jim, you get a no prize for your explanation. Um, I mean, anybody who doesn't know what that is, I mean, back in the day, Marvel Comics used to like give people the no prize for explaining mistakes in their books. And the no prize was basically exactly what it says. No prize. Thank you very much. Being <laughs> a nerd is going to pay off eventually in life. And it's starting to now in my mid-30s. <laughs> there it is. So, hell yeah, man. And um, I always wanted the no prize. It's like, oh. <laughs> So uh, one more thing on the docket here. Just a quick thing. Uh, just to update on what's going on with Shane Black's The Predator. Um, so he did actually release something on his Twitter, uh, which was... All it was was a picture of like a, a wooded area, uh, and it just says, shh, he's coming. Uh, and it, people flipped out on Twitter because they feel like that the trailer might be on the way. And this is basically what the picture was for. I know you guys haven't seen it. Um, so if you actually look very closely right here on the leaves, there's a little bit of green predator blood. Um, and then up in the very top, uh, it looks like there could be something in the trees up here, but it can't be certain as to what it is. But if you guys look up Shane Black on Twitter, you'll be able to see this. His uh, Twitter handle is at uh, Bonafide Black, and you'll be able to actually see that. So uh, a lot of people are actually flipping out, and he did actually just release this five hours ago. It said, um, he basically says, whoops, the teaser that drops this month is for CinemaCon only. Then it goes to theaters. My bad. Patience. Go rent Insidious, The Last Key. Meantime, great stuff. So, I mean, uh, who knows? I mean, I keep hearing different things. I keep hearing that, um, you know, that they did reshoots. uh, And from what I've been hearing is that um, the reshoots were most likely because that uh, the the movie didn't get a great response from uh, from a lot of like the producers and stuff like that. Uh, The fans didn't really care for it. So usually reshoots are done to fix things that did not work, which in my opinion, from what I've heard, um, you know, I feel like it might not be a bad idea. I feel like this is probably for the best because I think he's gotten some kind of backlash from the fans. People are, uh, there's a lot of activity on his Twitter account saying, Hey man, you know, like, don't just throw this out. Please take your time with it. Do this movie right. Like a lot of people are actually like scared about this movie as much as I am. And I think he's seeing that and realizing that like he wants to do something. He wants to do right by the fans. Um, the other thing is that after having some time to kind of digest all this predator information that we've talked about, um, you know, I think that in going back and kind of just um, re-mentioning the fact that there was um, a child in the movie who has autism, which is that his ability is to be able to kind of um, be able to decipher the predator language. And there was also like um, a brain dead uh, predator dog that uh, befriends one of the, uh, one of the characters in the movie. Like all of these things actually were mentioned in numerous YouTube videos and were actually mentioned in the leaked script. Um, Do I think that they seem like they could work in the script? 
No, but I also feel like, um, you know, seeing it from an outside eye and then actually seeing the movie as a whole, they might actually work. Right. So I don't want to necessarily like these are all like bullshit points, but and things that are definitely not going to work. They may and I have to see the movie as a whole, but we're looking at possibly a September date for a trailer release. So we'll see what happens. That you know? picture that you showed us, was that on Twitter? Was that on... It's on his Twitter account. It was on the Twitter account. What Are the, are these predators, are they stalking fairies from Ferngully? I don't know, man. I mean, anything can happen in this movie, so we'll, we'll see, dude. But the, the cool thing about it is there's clearly some predator blood on one of the leaves, which is a call-out oh, to, to one of the... It's the call-out to the first movie. It so, was a beautiful forest. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, sure. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to think about the movie anymore. I'm just kind of, you know, crossing my fingers and yeah, hoping that It doesn't matter movie, what you think. You're going to go see it. And then you'll form your opinion after. I was just going to say, I'm I'm crossing my fingers and then whatever happens, happens, you could automatically write it off as complete trash, but you're still going to go and watch it. I look at it this way. It's easier for me to to say it's out of my hands (laughs) and whatever happens, because I'm not going to be able to have any control over this. Right. Uh, So he's going to do what he's going to do. And hopefully the movie doesn't suck. But I just hope that it's it's done well. That's all I can say. Mm. And reshoots is a, a step in the right direction, I think. Right. So uh, with that being said, do you guys have any closing thoughts this week on the Red Beard podcast? Nah. Nah. <laughs> I think I'm good for the time being. I've well, said all that I could on Ready Player One. Yeah, man. You definitely summed it up. I can't wait stuff. for the sequel. We're yeah. going to go see it again next week, so we'll find more stuff. Word. With that being said, guys, stick around because uh, there might be an Easter egg at the end of this episode. You'll find out. Or maybe there isn't. Maybe I'm screwing with you, but you'll have to listen a little bit longer to figure it out. Yeah, only a little bit, though. Only a little bit. Later. Just ahead. Peace. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.